Hello, this is Brian from Living in the End Times with Amos and X. As always, thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to follow us on social media. Give us a favorable rating on the podcast app of your choice, say CastBox or Podcast Republic. And most importantly, support us through Patreon at patreon.com slash endtimespodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash endtimespodcast, one word. And thank you in advance. That's the thermals, pillar of salt, uh, 2006, I guess. Jesus Christ. We're, yeah, we're no, old. you're old. Super old. You're old. We're old. I'm super old. <clears throat> um, but apropos of our topic tonight, um, we're going to be talking about the nascent uh, return of the middle evil, medieval neo-feudal state. Mm-hmm. Um that we're entering a uh, state in the sense of sociopolitical reality um, through the lens of Ken Russell's brilliant surrealist 1971 film, the devils, um, which I had not seen. So thank you for introducing me. It was great. Yeah, I had, uh, th- you're welcome. I, the first time I ran across it was I was looking for movies about cults um, mm-hmm. a few years ago because there seemed to be some of the best ones, uh, most interesting. Other, um, just as an aside, other movies I would recommend about cults that are highly recommended would be um, Mary May Magdalene or whatever the fuck it's mm-hmm. uh, with Elizabeth Olsen is fantastic. And then, um, uh, not in this order. I mean, they're all great. Uh, um, Kill List from 2011. That's mm-hmm. probably the most intense one in some respects. And then Faults uh, is fantastic as well. Um, but I didn't watch The Devils back then because I didn't really... The way it was sort of sold in that context was... It, it seemed like it was going to be dumber than yeah. it was. <laughs> like Caligula um, with nuns or something. Right. Like it was going to be more just about witchcraft in a weird yeah. way, but that's, it's not about witchcraft. Uh, it's about show trials. It's about Stalinism. Power, um, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the film, uh, I'll just pull it up. I'm so I have the dates like re- reasonably correct. Uh, this is based on two tech. The, the film is um, based on two texts. Mm-hmm. One is uh, the devils of, or the Devil of Ludone, I think, by yeah, Aldous Huxley. Correct. 
And the other one is a play called the devils by John Whiting. Um, so now Zizek, the, the first like tip I got on this, on that book, Zizek talked about, uh, how Cardinal, what is it? Rousseau or something? Richelieu. Yeah. Some French fuck. He, uh, like, uh, for Huxley's argument is in the book. I think it's more focused on that guy. So the, mm-hmm. the movie isn't that guy's sort of this crazy background character, but um, pulling the strings sort of, but uh, in, you know, historically that guy Zizek is claiming is like sort of set the stage for the Holocaust ultimately mm-hmm. um, like sort of like uh, if you take what he did in the 17th century and like extrapolate forward, you know, through all the, I assume like the 30 years war was like, or this is like interwar stuff. Mm. Um, I don't think people, I, and I'm just including myself here. I don't think people understand how fucking insane, like that late, late medieval. Um, I guess this isn't technically medieval, but like whatever mercantile era um, Europe was uh, like to me, this, like this film, isn't when I say surrealist, it's not really overtly mm. surreal. It's actually kind of like a neo-realist thing. Right. Um, but it's surreal in the sense that you have like, <clears throat> so it's set in, uh, in, in, uh, Ludon, Ludon or whatever, France, um, which back then they had like walled cities. Okay. So like, but the, the walls were like white brick, uh, right. at least the way they staged it. I don't know if that's true, but like, you know, if you think about um, or if, when I think about medieval times, at least the way we're taught, like we're not really taught about this shit. Uh, in, you know, it, in, in elementary school, they'll kind of talk about like. I, re- I just remember seeing some weird like cartoon movie about um, how much money they were spending building all these cathedrals and it didn't make any sense because everyone was starving to death mm-hmm. or had you know it was the plague or whatever um but like or you know when they talk about like um you know knights and kings and castles and all that shit the idea was like you have a fortified castle where like that's where you're fighting to protect your territory or your kingdom or whatever but what what was happening at least in in the era that this this was set in was that you had entire cities were walled off and so uh ludon was in the film like there were these there was a uh an order of nuns that was literally locked away like they were behind bars and separated from the rest of the city but they could like talk to people through the bars um i think there were correct me if i'm wrong because you've seen it more recently than i have but like i feel like there was a way that they could escape sometimes mm. like they could kind of like slip out a little bit but like maybe that's not true yeah i don't um, remember seeing that demonstrated but okay so yeah they they were like walled in um within the walled city and so this this jesuit comes uh the the story is like this jesuit priest comes to like take over take charge of ludon so like the the church again this is like insane shit that we can't really comprehend in these days but like the catholic church controlled the government because they 
they they were more powerful than the monarchy at kind of a local or regional level at least as as far as i could like surmise um at least within the film and so like the then then you have like this internal like these internal political battles and so this jesuit shows up and he's kind of a he's sort of a libertine in a way but it's more like he's a he's more modern is what it is like mm-hmm. the jesuits were kind of seen as these like radicals back then whether or not that's you know i don't think that was th- that's sort of a contentious thing like did you ever watch um i think oh yeah you were in, we were in the same seminar that <laughs> crazy movie called the mission with yeah. like robert de niro about these For jesuits sure. in south america where they're like mm-hmm. fighting a war against <laughs> yeah. the colonists Mason, with the yeah. people mm-hmm. It was like, I mean, this is just like craziness Um, to our, you know, at least from my, like the stuff they're doing, I was so radical and like open, even though it's in the context of this crazy, like religious doctrine. So uh, in the, in the, but the, in the film in in question, excuse me, um, like uh, the, what was the, what was the Jesuits name again? Grenier? Grenier, Grenier, yeah, yeah. Grenier. So, uh, he, her, her, her name, his name is fucking Urbane Grenier. Grenier, um, his his name is Urban. I mean, that's like, <laughs> right. what are we doing here? Right. Uh, and this or, is oh, real. Grandier. Sorry, Grandier. <laughs> Grandier. This is real. This happened. Right. Okay, so he shows up to. He like walks into town, and he's like taking it over. I think he must have been charged with it somehow. But then the. The, the, there's like a conflict between the the church in the church's uh, dominion and the state the french well it wasn't the state but the the kingdom uh the the argument made by the kingdom by the king was like we need to take all these walls down because we need like a unified france but what that actually meant was that um they were open to attack uh, so the, the walls were functional too. Like it wasn't just this weird social arrangement. Like, so it was kind of a modified city state in a sense, but obviously like there were power struggles at a higher level. And so the Cardinal uh, Rousseau, or, 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 I think it's pronounced Richeau, Richeau. I'm just going to say that it sure. could be wrong. I don't care. Who cares about French people? Um especially French Canadians, uh, Cardinal Richaud, uh, his, he doesn't give a shit. So the, the, the hilarious part is he's way more of a crazy libertine than, uh, Grenier because, uh, like he's having these like wild orgies and like, uh, that's more the Caligula angle. Um, that I don't know if you mentioned that off air, but like, that's how it was sort of so, Oh yeah. You said that a second ago, but like, uh, Anyway, so um, I'm just going to refer to him as Urbane because it's easier. Urbane was like, he didn't buy all this celibacy shit. Like, he was just like, that doesn't effectively, again, kind of a modernist, like, um, why would he he didn't accept the blackmail that it was like sinful to love um, in, in a romantic sense. And so he was like banging some younger woman. I don't know how young she was. It wasn't clear, but like the mm-hmm. daughter of some aristocrat or something, right? He got caught or was going to get caught because she got pregnant. And then 
all hell breaks loose and they start trying to come after him um, because they see an opening. Like he didn't, he had enough leverage within the church that like, they couldn't just get rid of him. They wanted to, because he was, I think he was preaching shit that they weren't cool with. Yeah. That's what's implied at the end is that he was critical of the state, which is relevant to kind of what happens. And then like, um, they try to set him up. Um, what was that scene? You refresh my memory. If you would, when they, when they walk into the orgy in the church, mm-hmm. uh, and the Cardinal comes and he's just love, like he's just having fun. And then right. people are trying to blame Urbane for like, they're, they're calling him a heretic or something. Um, but like the Cardinals just like, doesn't give a fuck and slash isn't buying it. Like he's not interested. Right. In fact, he's helping. He was, you know, playing up the uh, the hoax of the 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 cursed or I'm sorry, the possessed nuns by saying, "Oh, I have this piece of the crucifixion cross in this box, and you just just touch it, and you'll be the exercised or whatever." And they're like, "Oh, yeah, great." Then he opens it up and says, "No, I'm just kidding. This box is empty." <laughs> right. So he right. he like punks. Uh, he like right. pranks the um, the accusers. Right. Um, but then they like they start like torturing the nuns who are supposedly possessed Mm -hmm. um and into like confessing and blaming him or whatever like yeah (laughs) yeah getting whatever angles they need whatever quote-unquote evidence so they have all these these show trials literally and what's interesting about so like okay uh highly recommend we should talk about this movie actually it's very funny and crazy uh the, there's a film from 2017 18 called uh, the death of stalin which is mm-hmm. kind of this political satire mm-hmm. and w- w- when I, at least for me i didn't know i i don't like read i i'm not well enough read at all, all on like soviet actual like soviet history as far as like the in, inner workings of the regime but like I, when i heard the term show trial i assumed there's like literally like an audience but there wasn't, at least in the at the end, like in the 60s, um, they would literally put somebody they would put somebody in a room and then somebody would come in with a document and be like, OK, sign your confession and then shoot him. Like, so it wasn't it was like not a, actually a show. It was just like it, even that's like overstating what happened. So um, but here we had a literal show trial where like on the one side of the bars where the nuns were being tortured into confessing like whatever like in blaming or bane mm-hmm. and then on the other side you had these like some of the church officials i think the cardinal was there at one point or his underlings but people were very obviously like this is ridiculous like you're just this is fake like even mm-hmm. for the, even for their corruption they were like this doesn't work mm-hmm. um but they just kept pressing and pressing and then it got crazier and crazier and the nuns in this film are like in a weird position because like it, you can't like it it's always it's sort of shifting all the time like are they are they crazed and i don't mean like crazy i mean like have they been have they just worked themselves into a frenzy mm-hmm. or are they like actually um playing this out or are they just responding to the torture like they seem to be just manipulated but also actively kind of evil evil in the sense politically like trying to fuck them over 
Right. Um, and it's not clear what their, where their motivations come from. Um, for what it's worth, I feel like the motivation is sort of clear at the very end when um, one of the monarchy officials tells the nun after Urbane's been burned at the stake, she, he's like, you know what, we're just going to do what we're going to do. We're going to tear these walls down, but you guys will be fine. In fact, you know, you'll be more popular than ever or something. And it, it's suggesting that Sister Agnes, the deformed uh, Vanessa Redgrave, was even um, sort of in on this insofar as she was just out, you know, cynically to, to, to get mm. more power influence for herself and her, her abbey or her nunnery. Right. So. Okay. Yeah. But it, throughout the film, like anyway, I mean, that's fair enough, but like throughout the film, it's not, it, it's, it's so crazy. Sure, like right. you kind of can't tell what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Or at least from what I recall. Um, and Oh yeah. And the, I, I'm just, I'm not like scra- scrolling, scanning the uh, wiki description of the plot um the possessions and exorcisms then continue unabated descending into a massive orgy in which the nuns remove the crucifix from above the high altar and sexually assault it right so that's what we're talking about here um and so great scene yeah fantastic (laughs) i mean this movie is like amazing like it's it's great visually and it's very scary and like surreal and crazy but like it's also Mm -hmm. like it really fucked me up for like a while. Like it was, it's not often anymore, unfortunately that I get really like affected in a way that's, you know, good or meaningful or whatever. Um, but this one did uh, to the point where it's like, can they just make movies like this? Like, is that an option? <laughs> right. Like right. Jesus Christ. Um, and then, so it, the most, and then of course this is happening toward, end of the plague right right yeah at least in the film i don't know if that's a part of the novel if i recall but um in the film and i think that's an important uh, added element that uh, i think that the film gets right that maybe the novel didn't insofar as like the world's falling apart and everyone's dying and they're just showing the sort of the corruption of everything including the church itself right and that like there is no obviously there's no meaning like if the cardinals are actively participating in this bacchanalia or whatever uh, back and all like then nothing is has any meaning and i think or it's not any stable meaning anyway um and like the institutions are sort of farcical themselves mm-hmm. right. like the idea of the french state um wanting to tear down the walls of these city states in the name of like unified nationalism in the face of like literally like getting constantly attacked from the east <laughs> um like that's ridiculous and insane and a, yeah and a plague that's gonna i mean that means death for everybody if those walls are gone oh that like, too yeah you know. so like i was um oh where did i see that i don't know i was reading something or listening to something and they were explaining that like the reason that the um the the Renaissance happened. The real reason was because up until then um, for hundreds of years, maybe even almost a thousand years, there was a constant threat from the East of like, you know, what to the West was like these barbarian hordes of Mongols Mm -hmm. or whatever, which it it just is like, I mean, the world was, you know, like Chomsky said, like nothing's really changed since the time of Genghis Khan in terms of like global politics. So like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not agreeing that they're just like these 
these brutes or something. It's just like everybody was doing that shit to everybody else. Um, and, and but what happened was um, after the plague started to lift in Europe, uh, the it was ravaging Asia. And so they just simply didn't have the firepower and the, the manpower to try to take back, try to sack Europe. And so they were left alone. And that's why all of this art and all this other shit was able to flourish because they didn't have these political problems in the same way. So it wasn't actually some like philosophical shift. I mean, the philosophical shift kind of came after the fact it seemed at least according to this. Um, And so that, that context is important. Like the plague thing was very, I mean, it was clearly just weaponized, but also it wasn't a joke that you had like just piles of bodies everywhere. Right. And like, they didn't know how to stop it. They didn't have <laughs> science. They didn't have an enlightenment that had taken enough hold to like create, you know, to figure out what the solution was. Um, and so like that, I think is like the reason this film is so pressing today uh, oppression or whatever the fuck is because um, that's, I think actually where we are, we're, we're in a version of like, it just, it's, it's at warp speed because we have the internet. Like it didn't take, hundreds of years to get into this like what's functionally a religious frenzy or fervor where nothing makes any sense and no one can communicate with each other and it's all just these crazed power plays at every level interpersonally and at the level of the state um not just in overdrive because probably because we're less civilized than they were in certain regards not in terms of inclusion but in terms of like um the ability to have like a stable social fabric, like, you know, like Chomsky again says, talks about how like one of the things about feudal Europe was there was like the social contract was more robust. Like the state had a responsibility to take care of the peasants. Like they, the state was responsible for feeding the peasants um, and giving them like the basic stuff of life. And then that went away. And that's partially why there were so many rebellions and, you know, like English revolution and all this stuff, like where the peasants revolted and like the, the there, it, the social contract broke down. So they had to like reestablish a new one. So there's more f- social freedom because that's what capitalism does is it, it destroys, um, it destroys religious authority and state authority to a large degree or in, and then that has to be re engineered um, to allow both like in first the enclosure of the commons, all this stuff happens simultaneously, but definitely first the enclosure of the commons. And then, I mean, even the notion of the commons, that's a medieval concept. That's not mm-hmm. like, and what that meant is there you like, Land holdings and landlords function differently, at least probably in the earlier medieval period, maybe not later, but um, like the legal structures didn't look like they look now, just like how somebody was, you know, I'm in this like no one wants to work Facebook group and like, right. which is okay. I, I like it because there's lots of like normies in there who will actually listen, you know, if you tell them about history, um, which is, is a little bit, you know, hopeful, but uh, somebody was talking about, oh, there was this crazy um, 
uh, court case where this hospital, a lot of people were quitting because the nurses weren't getting paid enough or whatever the fuck. And then um, the hospital went to a judge and got an injunction that prevented these people from getting another job. They could not, no, they weren't legally allowed to work anywhere else. And then somebody was like, you know, saying it's like slavery uh, correctly. And then somebody else was like, well, they can't force them to work, but they just can't work anywhere else. And they, they weren't, I mean, this person wasn't supporting the, the slavery, but was trying to qualify it. And I was like, no, that's exactly how uh, American slavery developed is it didn't, it wasn't just like putting people in chains and putting them on a boat and then shipping them over here and then just brutalizing the shit out of them. If they didn't work, it started as, I mean, maybe they were kidnapped, but the way that it was legally structured in the U S before, even before it was the U S was like, they take your passport and say, you've incurred a debt by getting on this boat. So now you're indebted to us. And then you have to work off this debt, which of course, no one can ever work off this incidentally is how they do it in Dubai as well. They do the exact same thing. Like I, you know, I used to tutor at a technical college and I remember like talk, you know, so I, one of the nice things is I get to talk to like lots of people from like all over the place, like Saudi people and, you know, West Africans, East Africans, et cetera. And these, these West African, I think they're West African guys. Um, they were talking about how they'd gone to work in Dubai and they'd taken their passports. And it's like, you're a slave, like oh. literally. So like, this yeah, isn't, yeah. this isn't like, a, you know, far away. They were like, f- there's forced fucking labor in, Amer- in, you know, in the world right now. Um, and, and then it, it was only later that, after a series of like shifting legal frameworks that they were able to, you know, formally institute like the, the truly crazy nature of chattel slavery in America, which is that's, that's like conversation for another time. But that, that like, if you compare that to historical slavery and like all the, like Egypt or um, the Roman empire, people had much more rights. Like it was not the Mm -hmm. same. It wasn't good, but it was not the same shit like what we had was by far maybe historically the worst form of slavery ever uh almost imaginable um i don't know where i how i got there but um do you remember well well maybe um all of this it'll come back to me yeah that the um i mean the film itself um it's especially prescient or i mean useful at this moment insofar as it felt like as i was watching this a reflection on yeah i mean we said it before in the show letter from the future a reflection on what's happening right now right from right. from the, the plague environment to the neo-feudalism to the slavery thing you just mentioned there's more whatever slaves or human people are trafficked now than in the 19th century or something whatever that mm. statistic mm-hmm. is um and to this uh, the very very cynical um, attempt to grab power on behalf of the church, on behalf of the, the state, on behalf of the local authorities. And we're seeing that play out. Uh, you know, we, we have a local example we could get to with um, a, a university and a city government and then a religious institution in the state. I mean, all that stuff is sort of happening right now. So this isn't this isn't a story about the, the 16th century or whatever. It's a story about the 21st century now, right? Um, in 1971 or whenever that film came out. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. It was super surreal, not only because of that, that it felt like it was telling my story right now, but, um, you know, uh, it also, I mean, just the way the visual thing, it was like a fever dream too. Um, but 
incredibly well done and so happy. I mean, I, I almost didn't even know uh, when we were coming to this conversation, I didn't know where to go or where to start because I felt like there was so much happening there. I couldn't even wrap my brain around it all in a, in a coherent way, but it just, mm. it felt, it felt um, real and it felt serious and it felt very profound in ways that, again, I can't even articulate. Yeah, I agree with 100%. Like, that's why I think that's why I was saying, like, can they just make movies like this again? Yeah. Like, where you're coming out of it and, like, <clears throat> like reality, like, I know the movie's good when reality shifts outside. Like, <laughs> right. that was always my thing. Like, even from the beginning of like thinking about art or whatever, was like, I mean, you and I have been deep in this, that sort of kind of it's 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 informed by marxism and materialism and stuff but the, like the the grill marcus stuff where it's like what 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 is the sort of nature of art in society like does art is art effective if it's not changing the world like mm-hmm. if you walk back out and things aren't different like um and and it's just not this stupid like art Im- imitating life or not blah 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 but sort of what is the what is a mechanistic in a sense relationship between what art does and what how the society looks mm-hmm. um and th- th- that's never that's not a static thing by any means um but i do there's some i think the problem is we we kind of and and i'm just saying this generally like there's a tendency at least there used to be maybe it's shifted now because things are so over politicized um but like some tendency to say like oh it's just a movie or it's just this Mm -hmm. and it's like well right but we live here right and if it changes how we think or how we feel in in a way that's significant enough it changes how we act in the world and if that's so if you need even the most like sort of dumb fuck vulgar materialism version of it it's just like if if art can affect how you perceive reality and then that changes how you act and it does that at scale or it changes how you act sufficiently enough that you go change reality Mm -hmm. then like we can't just dismiss it Mm -hmm. and so and we should add that that's just true with everything like i watched i saw some tiktok with steve jobs where he was like there were, I don't know, there were like, this was like from the 90s or something, but he was like, and I mean, you know, fuck Steve Jobs sort of, but I, of all the tech people, he's the only interesting one. And the reason is because I, well, number one, he's like an immigrant. So nobody talks about that. Um, he's like Syrian uh, <clears throat> and half and like he, the big thing with jobs. So again, we're talking about these neo-feudal Lords and he was in the f- kind of first version of this for neo-feudal tech people. Um, Apple did not cooperate with the FBI in terms of giving up information on their customers until jobs was dead. And he was very explicit about that. He was like, why the fuck? I don't know if he was swearing publicly, but effectively like, why the fuck would we, betray our customers they're mm-hmm. paying us for products so even from like kind of a vulgar capitalist perspective like he's right like why would you do that and um i mean there's a lot more to say i i don't think he's some genius inventor he just is a good he's fantastic at marketing he figured out how to charge people 700 for a phone with a hundred dollars worth of gear in it mm-hmm. um you know and hey don't pl- hate the player hit the game type of thing <laughs> right. like, i i 
like I like for example that that movie Jobs with Michael Fassbender is fantastic. Like it's it, it you you can tell. I think the thing about Jobs that's so interesting is he was act he was trying to fuck with reality. Like you know even if it was annoying and it wasn't that interesting and it ultimately served the interests of capital like that is what he wanted to do and so in the clip i saw he said something like that he was like they were like what's the what would you tell people like what's the most important thing people need to know if they want to be in this game or whatever and he's like well first of all reality can be changed you can poke reality and there's a reaction like that's a real thing that happens and that sounds so stupid but it's like no that's Exactly. That's the thing that we're missing. Like we're all so cynical. Like what was that slaughter dyke? Like the age of cynical reason or whatever. Like we're all so fucking cynical. We think we can't change anything, but we we're re- reproducing reality all the time, one way or another. Um, I feel like I've tried to hammer that home as much as possible in this show. But like the other thing about jobs, even Zizek borrows from, is like when he says, uh, he's like, we don't. He's like, doesn't care what people want. He's like, we don't try to figure out what people want. We figure out what we want. And then we go make that. And that's like, that's how you fuck shit up. I think, Um, you know, for better or worse, the other jobs movie that really is like almost embarrassing, but is a very surreal movie is uh, the one with uh, um, Ashton Kutcher it's seriously shot like a Maoist propaganda film and, and Apple. I don't think Apple made this. Like, I don't even understand what they were doing. Like it's very wild. Um, but you see in there, like, again, this sort of dogmatic, like ruthlessness about like trying to make something work that you want, like this commitment almost to a cause. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> like, so like the, Anyway, the the point is, I don't I don't know how I got here either. It's just this oh that you can I mean that you can alter reality that like yeah. that art can do that and and that's why you know films like this are you should, that these those are the films we should be making, but generally that's not what's happening. Um, right. Like, In fact, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. No, uh, well, I just. That's okay. I was going to, I might shift to something else. So go ahead. Oh, okay. No, I was just going to say then. Yeah. In fact, quite the opposite. Um, it's, it's those films that sort of do touch a nerve and insofar as they can change reality that end up being the ones, um, you know, for, for some ridiculous reason, uh, obscenity or naked bodies, you know, get, get banned. In fact, the, mm. the authorities don't want you to see that kind of stuff because they probably recognize the, the threat um, as it were. Um, but yeah, I don't know for the for the listener who maybe hasn't seen the film, um, just very quickly to, to finish up the, I think the plot, right? So Grandier is accused of sort of bewitching um, Agnes and the other, the nuns. He denies it, but then the these um, both religious authorities and state authorities come in to have this show trial, as you mentioned. Um, they find Grandier guilty and then Urbane, and they basically just burn him at the stake, right? And as soon as he's gone, it turns out he was the only one protecting the city because then those walls fall, right? And that last shot is brilliant, where he's this woman that he'd sort of uh, Grandier had married for, for whatever reason, um, which sort of pissed off the nuns because they were obsessed with him. Um, that's the last shot is like, the, she's just walking on this empty land, you know, this wasteland on this um, solitary road with crosses everywhere and the walls have fallen and bricks are, you know, it's just this, this desolate vision. They have like pinwheels of bodies that yeah, have been crucified. That's right. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that's such a striking closing image there like that's 
that's what you see when the state, um, you know, whatever destroys the um, the somewhat the only pr principal religious voices, um, you know, in the world or whatever, or just um, sort of takes right. over is corrupt with the religious authorities who are corrupt. I mean, that's the, the individual is left alone to sort of walk a wasteland, and it's and that's where we're heading, right? And that's what I was thinking and struck by too. Yeah, and that last shot, I mean. Like that's one of the more like crazy shots I've ever seen in film because uh, like when you say desolate wasteland, like people might think, oh, maybe, excuse me, that's like a desert and there's some shrubs. No, it's just dirt as right. far as the eye can see. I actually don't know how they even made, did that shot. Like that, mm -hmm. it's fucking crazy. Um, and there's nothing. Like there's nothing, and you know, yeah. obviously part of that is because of the plague, and and uh, I'm sure people just not being able to like till the land, or mm -hmm. it's just been ravaged by war or whatever the fuck. Like, um, but yeah, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing. Like you said, he was the only thing protecting the city, protecting mm -hmm. everything. Um, and again, it's this sort of, uh, you know, through the lens of a pre-modern or emerging let's say near modern period he's the voice of modernity mm -hmm. you know with an understanding that if you protect these principles you protect all the people too because mm -hmm. like the and and it it's also like a question of authority too like it it's it's a it's a form of discipline like he's more it's this sort of paradox of like in, in the face of this corrupt church trying to destroy him on the grounds of being a heretic or uh, uh, bewitching these women, these nuns, he's actually defending the Christian ideal, right. um, obviously much more than they have any interest in. Uh, and the nuns were basically like used willingly or not as like a reactionary force to like to, to ultimately destroy mm -hmm. um, what was left of civilization at that time yeah. um and so i i want to just uh wh where i was i guess circling around to is i wanted to talk about um how uh you know apropos this really is mm -hmm. uh the so the example i want to use is this insane fucking study that was done recently wherein um I'm about to tr find the screenshot, but like they, they surveyed Democrats about uh, what, <laughs> this is so fucking nuts. They surveyed Democrats. Uh, well, they surveyed everybody, but Democrats were highly in favor of the craziest policies you've ever heard in your life. Um, truly. Let's see if I can find it here. Um, maybe. I think it was, I think uh, it was a Rasmussen poll, I want to say, um, for what right. it's worth. And I don't know the, the sample size and all that stuff, but I mean, the results I'm agreeing are, are, are disturbing to say the least. So, right. Uh, so this is, I pulled this off a Jimmy Dore video, but regardless, this is like a tweet. Um, so they asked them, here we go. Okay. So I'm reading from an Alex Rubenstein tweet um i don't know if he published the the story that this was based on and then drew on the um survey but buckle the fuck up okay so insane survey of democratic voters in a recent poll 55 percent of democratic voters support fines against unvaccinated 
59% support house arrest. 48% support prison for questioning Vax efficacy on social media. 45 support internment camps. 47 support surveillance and 29% support the state taking the children of the unvaccinated. Now, like, I, I mean, it, it's honestly, even for me, like, so I'm a leftist, you know, or a communist, whatever the fuck. So I've known for a long time. If The problem with working with liberals is if you want to organize with liberals, their first move, no matter what you're proposing, march on the street, almost even a meeting, they might say this for. But definitely, if you're doing anything on in public, the first things they want to do is call the cops and ask for permission without fail. Um, and now, you know, if you're not politically involved that much, you might think, well, OK, I guess that could make sense. Um, but the reality is like we if we. If the premise that we live in a free country is tr- a free society is true, we don't need to do that. Like, I understand if you're having a if if in Grand Forks, North Dakota, you had a forty thousand person march, maybe you would want to coordinate with the state a little bit to just tell them, hey, this is happening. So you might want to like control traffic a little bit. But we're talking about twenty people on a street corner or something. Like they don't. They, they want to call the cops all the time. Now, that's it might seem minor, but the reality is that that the, the like leftists, oh, leftists generally are appalled by liberals for a lot of reasons. But the primary one is because when the shit hits the fan, the liberals will always side with the fascists quicker, probably even than elements, certain elements on the right. Um and the reason that they do that is because they're bootlickers by nature. Like the liberal theory of politics is like the state can solve everything ultimately. Like the that's why, you know, I don't like when the right disingenuously like groups like communist socialists anarchists with liberals. That's not true. Like communist socialists and anarchists do not think that the state is the solution. Um by definition. And if they do, they're not leftists. They're lying. They don't understand like even if you're a you know we associate state communism with uh, Russia and China and shit like that. And I understand that historically that's been the case, but like Lenin's like position was like, and, and maybe it's false, you know, so I'm, I'm not like defending it per se, but like the idea is like, it's not communism. If you have a state basically like true communism cannot emerge. Like, so for Marx, you have, and this is a pro, you know, I'm not, I'm not endorsing this reading, but I'm just saying even for Marx himself, the idea is like capitalism creates the conditions for socialism and then socialism creates the conditions for communism. So socialism will have a strong state, but that's supposed to be a transitional period. Communism will have, you know, dictatorship of the proletariat to start, but then you have like ultimately like self-rule, like you'll have you'll have a society that's equal and that where there's enough material equality that you won't need a state. Because, you know, and we can argue about like what that looks like or whatever. But my point is, um, communists, even socialists, socialists want a strong state, but it's 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 in the service of centralization for the people, um, you know, if they're if, if we're taking them at their word. 
So all these people don't think the state is the solution. Liberals do. Liberals think the police state is that that's how you keep order in society. And that's how you resolve problems is you give people more. Um, you incrementally increase people's ability to have rights and uh, access to resources. Um, and that is fascism. I mean, that that's what fascism is kind of for is you have an overlapping of state and corporations um, such that uh, authoritarian control is necessary and good mm-hmm. and correct because that's how you keep order in society. Now, liberals will say that they don't agree with the repression, the, the social repression that fascists want, but they always go along with it historically. So this is the problem. Like, you know, like people were trying to peddle like a soft anti-Semitism in Germany in the lead up to the rise, the full takeover of the Nazis, um, which, you know, as Zizek has pointed out, that's how you get Nazism is you play ball with these people. You, you can't. That's not how it works. Um, the, this was actually staged in a film recently. Not a good film, but a film uh, that I watched called Munich uh, at the Edge of War. And it's 1938. It's set in 1938 just came out on Netflix last week or something. Um, <clears throat> these three upper crust types are at, at Oxford is where the film opens. Two are German. One of those is Jewish. One is British. The British guy ends up being like in the prime minister's like inner circle. Um, the German woman is a Jew. Uh, so they're at university in 1932 and 1938. Um, the German guy has turned against Hitler, but he was sort of, he was one of these, like, let's play ball with it. They don't really care about the Jews that much. It's more about Germany and, and like, 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 you don't know what it feels like to be humiliated and all this stuff. Um, but he turned, he, he was, he serves in this nascent resistance against Hitler. Um, so that's the first time I've seen that portrayed in a film. So that part was good. The problem was he could have killed Hitler. He had a gun in his hand. And he didn't do it because he's a pussy, um, even though he said he was going to. So it was like, I'm sort of like, why am I watching this? Uh, you know, do it like at least do the Quentin Tarantino thing where you gratuitously comedically kill Hitler because it's very satisfying to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but so anyway, um, and any anyway, so this this Democratic survey. These people are shamelessly saying these things mm-hmm. to pollsters. I mean, let's think about this. 45% support internment camps. 59 support house arrest. So that means it, now I have gotten a vaccine. I got one. I now I wish I hadn't, but you know whatever. I'll so be it. Um and the reason I say that is because I just want to be very clear. The research and this is like I believe the CDC's research, NIH, whatever. Their research shows that being vaccinated does not stop the spread of COVID-19. So you can transmit it just as easily, if not more, if you're vaccinated. Um, It does not stop you from contracting COVID-19. So it is not a vaccine by definition. Uh, Yes, if you're in a certain risk group, like, um, you know, if you're old or obese or have autoimmune disease sort of like it will probably be less severe for you. And that's important if you're at risk of death from it. So like, I'm not saying don't get vaccinated. I'm not anti-vax. 
I am anti putting people in internment camps for not getting a prophylactic experimental gene therapy. Um, like that's created by big pharma, which the left used to oppose. Remember that? <laughs> I do. I'm shocked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like get the vaccine or not. I think that, I mean, it's totally now I'm like just a complete libertarian, like do whatever the fuck you want, whatever you need to do to protect yourself or whatever. But what we know for sure is children have a, like almost literally zero risk of death from COVID. Like, um, in some places there have been zero deaths from mm-hmm. COVID and the ones that they say are associated with COVID. No, the kid died and also had COVID. When you see these crazy death numbers, a lot of those are not, they're not distinguishing between did they die from COVID or did they die with COVID? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so like, I understand people are, have been put into a frenzy over this. Like they've been told the vaccine is the solution. Like for example, Rogan, had on some really interesting guests who were um they're not anti-vaxxers actually peter mccullough robert malone they're not anti-vaxxers what they're saying is the way the vaccines are being deployed is not working Mm -hmm. and that has been known from the beginning but like it wasn't going to work you can't stop uh, a respiratory illness that's this contagious with vaccination it's it's impossible it's just the the mechanics of it won't work because again, these aren't proper vaccines. These are gene therapies. Now, um, then the media said, oh, look, 300 doctors have said Rogan's full of shit. And then Jimmy Dore went through the list of signees. Some of these people were literally like pot farmers, undergrad students, people who had doctorates in not medicine or immunology. The, the Great Barrington Declaration and then I think there was another letter signed by thousands of actual doctors who were like, no, Rogan's good. I'm glad he's doing this. Um, but the Great Barrington Declaration was um, th- these top immunologists were like this, this, um, this vaccine uh, policy is not going to work. It's not going to stop COVID. We shouldn't be doing this. Meaning try to vaccine, vaccinate everybody four times or five times in a year or whatever fucking craziness. Um, 16,000 doctors signed that and scientists. Okay. So like, I'm not even like, and, and I mean, I obviously side with that because that's what they're telling us. Like in Japan, they're crushing COVID. How are they doing it? They're giving people ivermectin. So like, and I think they gave people, um, I think it's ivermectin or might've been hydrochloroquine in India and in, in a, in Uttar Pradesh in like one of the States or provinces in they're crushing COVID as well. So like, and that, that's the theory of why they don't think it's hitting Africa that hard because people are taking these, uh, medicines like hydrochloroquine and ivermectin because they're anti-parasitic, um, human medicines and, because they live in tropical zones, so they need to be taking malaria pills. And they think that might be why the, the rates of COVID are so low. Okay. So like now the, the thing that's, that sucks. Uh, one of the things that sucks about like listening to liberals screech about how everybody needs to get the shot um, is they're like, listen to the science. Well, okay. The way that that should work is we have a debate. 
and we talk about different scientists are allowed to explain research in a rational way at length to people so we can understand what we're talking about here. But to them, listen, the science means Tony Fauci's God. Fuck him. I I read part of uh, Robert F. Kennedy's book about the real Tony Fauci. This is a fucking phenomenal undertaking. This book has, I think, 2,200 citations. Um, It's a very dense book. This is not some fucking like crazy conspiracy theory shit. I didn't even get to where he's talking about the vaccines. The public health effects of the lockdowns in the U.S. are so dire and no one's discussing them. 41% of all black businesses are permanently shut down in this country. 41%. That's an economic apocalypse in the black community. Um, Suicide rates are skyrocketing among children. Addiction. Like, I mean, like, even if you accept the bloated numbers of COVID deaths as just like gospel, there's no way that they can compete with the actual fallout. Like, if lockdowns worked, they would have worked, but they don't. Like, again... There, there was a short window at the beginning of the plague where people were allowed to talk openly about what was really going on on television. So again, like the last day I was out, uh, the the Bernie, the last Bernie debate, I was out at a bar, and before the debate started, they had some doctor on there, and he's like, "Listen, he's like, once this infects one percent of the population, it's here forever." People think people are being told that this is that you can stop this plague. You cannot stop it. Everyone will get it at some point. You can, I mean, you can cloister yourself as long as you want, and it may work as far as like not getting infected for a while. But everyone, even Fauci's now saying everyone's probably going to get it. Mm-hmm. If everyone's going to get it, and if Omicron is as mild as it is, like, so for example, the cases spiked this year compared to last year. So let's just take the numbers that we've been given. Okay. Like, they're questionable because of how those PCR tests work, but let's just take the CDC at their word cases. There's five times as many positive cases uh, a, a week ago as there was last year. Mm-hmm. There's a five X increase in positive cases. The death rate is half as much as last year, five times plus half mm-hmm. equals 10 times less deadly. Mm-hmm. And, this and that's is a, sorry. And this is a yeah. disease that in its worst form, only 0.8% of people are ever hospitalized. So it's 0.08% is probably the, and then the death rate among that is even lower. That is a lower death rate than a flu. I'm pretty sure probably by orders of magnitude. So what the fuck are we talking about here? Mm-hmm. I know that it's scary. But that's not the last word on what we should be doing to the society. Yeah, no, I was only going to add. Sorry to interrupt. Was that dumb? <clears throat> and we're seeing the spike in cases too. With, uh, uh, in despite everybody, everybody almost being vaccinated, right? So we have the right. vaccine. Yeah, um, so I mean, your, your point being, I mean, yeah, maybe it protects you against severe illness, but it's not stopping transmission. In fact, quite the opposite. Um, and so I don't know how how folks sort of in the center center left how they rationalize that. Right. It's terrifying to me because it's like, I thought we're supposed to care about the children. These kids can't fuck. They, they, they're out of school for a year and they come back and they can't fucking read because that's how it works. Like, I mean, I know 
even immediately when it happened, like I didn't, I can, I mean, it affected me. Like I used to have like truly like people would say I had like a photographic memory. That's all gone. Like it's okay, but it's not what it was. Um, And that's because memory is socially mediated. Um, Now I'm an adult person. Like my developmental stages are done more or less um, until I get senile. Uh, Let's hope. Um, So, you know, I can, I can grind it out. It's still fucked me up, but like, you know, like I've said before, like I talked to these, I used to, there used to be all these high school kids that worked at the Goodwill. I go to all the time. And like, I talked to them. They were the ones I was like, you can't do this to people. Like these kids are going to get fucked up by this. Like it's going to affect them in ways that like nobody is really gives a shit about. You could have pulled them out for two weeks, I guess, if you wanted to try, but you know, it, by then it was too late. They're, I mean, I suggest looking into the RFK stuff. It's so crazy. Like, um, they think that the first it's possible that the first, uh, COVID cases were in September of 2019. We didn't try a lockdown until March or April, 2019. That's five months with as contagious as it is, as it is. And with like strong evidence, or at least circumstantial evidence to suggest it was probably of lab origin. Um, it, it was already in the population for a few months, (laughs) like more than that, almost six months. Um, it was, it had to have already infected 1% of the population. So it was like, it was already, the game was fucking over. Like the way China controlled it actually was they used fucking hydrochloroquine, but the, the West wouldn't report that. How are they stopping it? They were using hydrochloroquine and they were locking. It was a combination of actual treatment and locking people down. But like, there's too much fucking money in these vaccines. Last time I looked, they'd given 7 billion shots. How much do you think that each shot they're charging? I, it's got to be $100, if not more. I mean, we're talking about trillions of fucking dollars. They're never going to, as long as long as they can get away with it, they're never going to stop. So um, if that wasn't bad enough, then like, you know, like you're saying, how how's the left rationalizing these things that objectively aren't working? They're not doing the thing that they say they're trying to do um like okay even if you think the australians are right that internment camps are cool which maybe might want to question that belief uh 48 support prison for questioning vax efficacy on social media so if i go on facebook and i i say any of what i just said 48 percent of democratic voters would support me going to prison for questioning it right whether i'm right or wrong doesn't matter the fact of questioning it so like i said a few episodes ago on this show like liberals won't shut the fuck up about 1984 but they don't realize they're the goddamn snitches in that book (laughs) now we have proof that i was right (laughs) like i mean house arrest like the i i'm i'm almost i'm almost speechless truly like this is this is terrifying. This is how this is how fascism takes hold. Like I was having this debate, I guess, discussion with someone about who I just met who's like an organizer and he's like serious business. Like I like his style and what what he wants to do and what he's doing. Like I support all that, but like he was trying to draw all these distinctions about what fascism was and why fascism was this unique threat and like because it it 
it's um it's about exterminating people and like when the when the political frame shifts from people fighting with each other or whatever or hating the state or whatever to people wanting finding this common enemy that needs to be wiped out that's when it's really fascism now my response to that is i think you're being too optimistic i think we're already in something as bad or worse than that um just because there's not an explicit enemy doesn't mean it's not already happening and it's coming from the liberals and the tech giants the tech giants already are in control they already have authoritarian control it's just not explicitly coming out of the government's mouth because they don't need to the government is just they're a bunch of lackeys at this point um they're totally bought off so it doesn't even you know you don't need hitler because capitalism is quote unquote working the reason hitler was able to emerge is because capitalism had collapsed in germany like the economy was toast and so he was just a an opportunist effectively um <clears throat> but now i read these fucking <laughs> statistics support for internment camps surveillance the state taking their kids away how is this distinct from Nazi Germany? It, it simply isn't like maybe it's not Nazi Germany in 1941, but it's for sure not uh, Germany in 1934 or 1938 without a doubt. It's just that the Jews in this context are the unvaccinated. Like the other thing about the vaccines, the vaccine mandates specifically, if you have had COVID-19, you are immune from it. There is There are no documented cases until Omicron, at least according to Peter McCullough, and he's like the most published guy on this. Um, like people think they got COVID twice, but that's because the PCR tests were wrong initially. So like the, PC, the thing about the PCR tests, if, if you do enough cycles, you can pick up viral a viral load. But he's like, there is no technology that we have that allows you to use an electron microscope and uh, identify a specific virus. We don't have that sort of resolution, um, which makes sense because you'd have to actually do a DNA test on the virus, mm. which how would you do that? Uh, not That's probably impossible or at least incredibly time consuming and expensive. Um, so. And, and even if you don't accept that, that you're immune, what has been demonstrated is you're 27 times more immune with natural immunity than with the vaccines. So getting a vaccine is um, not helpful. In, in fact, a friend of mine was got scared and was like, I got to get a vaccine. And I'm like, wait a minute, didn't you have COVID? And he's like, uh, I didn't realize that he had already gotten the vaccine by the time this conversation was happening. But um, I was like, you're already immune. Why are you doing this? And he's like, well, it's just the, you know, it seemed like the best choice for my health or something. And then he got myocarditis from the vaccine. Like, and myocarditis is fucking serious. Like the, if the treatment for myocarditis is six months of bed rest, because um, you, your heart can fail if you exert it too much because you get heart inflammation. And the reason that happens with the vaccine and they could tie it to the vaccine, my understanding is if they don't aspirate the needle when they're giving the shot, it goes right into the blood vessels and it gets in your bloodstream and it hits your heart. And then the spike proteins cause inflammation in the heart. So it's, ter it's a terrifying thing. Like there are, 
I mean, this was a while. This is a few weeks ago, but there were like uh, something like 10,000 heart attacks in boys that were new. And that's because of the, the risk of myocarditis from these shots. So they're vaccinating all these children who can't die from it, who barely, who almost can't get sick um, to like serve again, this paranoia, this frenzy of like terror around like everyone needs to be vaccinated. Vaccinating children will not stop COVID. Vaccinating yourself will not stop COVID. Your children aren't at risk from dying from COVID or even getting sick. Um, but they are at risk from side effects from the disease or from the shots, unfortunately. And so like, <clears throat> I just think we're entering this dark period where this is the sort of thing that's acceptable to people. And it happens. So to be honest, it happened quicker than I thought it would. Um, so, you know, obviously circling back to the film, like the, you can see this fervor in the name of what we're calling science. I mean, Torturing witches to get them to confess was technically considered science back then, you know, mm-hmm. in, a, in a sense, um, in the parlance of their time as, as the, the dude. Did the dude say that? Oh, yeah, that's right. I thought for some reason I thought Sam. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> I think, uh, <clears throat> yeah, Jeff Bridges stole it from um, from Maud. Uh, Julian. Oh yeah, that's Moore. right. <laughs> Boning. Oh, yeah, there you go. <clears throat> so, yeah, I don't. So, just by way of, I don't have a lot to add other than by way of a, <clears throat> a devil's advocate or something. And I sort of implied it earlier. I like those. Assuming those statistics are sound, I mean that's that's horrifying, right? And I'm. I, it's almost almost so crazy that it seems unbelievable. And that's what I want to respond is like, well, what, what's the sample size and how did they go about getting their data? Like who did they call a bunch of boomers on landlines and like, where is this info coming from? And it's, is it representative really of Democrats or Americans or something? But oh, I, don't, the, I don't know. The, the survey ones. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so I don't have, and I don't, I mean, I don't know, I'm not looking it up right now and I don't have that, but um, <clears throat> assuming even some of that stuff is true that we could sort of, pull apart the the methodology or something the those numbers are still too high right that's, <laughs> right that's obviously a problem. like five percent is high i mm. think um but you're right yeah hopefully that is the um the grist here yeah uh but, but it's yeah it's it's obviously um unpleasant and it sort of speaks to or to case study and what you I mean, the point you've been making on this program for a long time now about about liberals or sort of moderate folks in the middle there and the ways in which that's just not the way to go. <laughs> in fact, it's, uh, you know, this, I don't even know how to describe it. They don't seem to understand why people on the far left and the right sort of just hate them. But like, that's <laughs> right. They, that's why. Right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, exactly. I mean. I mean, of course, it gives me great personal pleasure, and I feel a strong sense of pride that Alex Jones has been right about 95% of what he's been mm-hmm. saying for two years, even the crazy shit. Um, like, you know, you don't have to go listen to Alex Jones. I think you should because it's very funny uh, and entertaining. But, like, he's talked about, like, all these plans that the, you know, um, these groups have had, like the Great Reset and all that stuff. And, I mean, Event 201 is something that, rfk talks about this event 201 is like something out of this devil's film like i saw it in the second pandemic documentary which those documentaries by the way 
they're not as crazy as they've been made out to be. Um, they're they maybe are like the second one, for example, the first one's only 25 minutes and it's just talking about how our MRNA stuff is not there's the efficacy isn't there for this sort of thing, which is true. Um, because COVID is like a, it's similar in structure to a cold virus in that we can't make a vaccine for a cold virus because the protein coat changes all the time. Like it just constantly mutates. Um, or they had been able, I've, I've heard, I don't, this is, I don't know how reliable this is, but like, apparently they have made, uh, vaccines for the common cold, but they just like, they shut your organs down or something like it just causes too many problems. So they're not viable. Um, but like, and if you think I'm full of shit about these vaccines, you know, first of all, go, please go research it. But more importantly, if I'm full of shit, how come Pfizer wanted to wait 75 years to release their data sets around what happened with their vaccine studies? That seems a little odd. Um, <laughs> a little bit of overkill. Uh, and maybe there's a reason behind it, but, um, pandemic. Uh, oh yeah. Pandemic. Okay. <laughs> Which is very funny. Like I, the, the rights better at make, making shit sound funny. <laughs> right. I mean, I will say, I mean, I right. think we all have to agree on that, but, um, they, Oh, the second pandemic movie, they just talk about how Bill Gates owns all these patents on coronaviruses and coronavirus, um, vaccines. And this was years ago. Like, okay, mm. that's, worth thinking about since he's cashing in on this fucking plague um but anyway so event 201 was a simulation that was run in september of 2019 there's footage of it that watching the footage is what's terrifying literally the same thing that happened immediately after all these governments get together and war game out a, a pandemic response a response to a pandemic I think it might have even been a bad coronavirus or something. I mean, it was just too nuts. And you're watching this play out in everything that like the they had the um like how like the sort of cascade of dominoes that happen when these things like I don't know, it might even escape from a lab too or something. Like it's very crazy, like it's terrifying. And you're just watching this. And again, it's like a watching a piece of surrealist film where like they played out the exact same thing that immediately followed. Like what happened to the world after this immediately followed. Now you could say, well, this is just a coincidence. Okay, fine. Yeah. They probably war game a lot of shit, but like, that's pretty scary. Like that's, <laughs> I think we should maybe be asking a few questions about that. Like, I don't think we should just let that one slide, but like it, like I'm, you know, as, as hilarious and funny and terrifying as it is for Alex Jones to be right about so much in the end, what scares me even more now is we're leading up to this war with Russia um, that they're trying to make seem inevitable. And Alex Jones is now the strongest anti-war voice in America. Like he's talking about this all the time. You know, 80% of what he talks about is the COVID shit. And then he talks about war with Russia and how the, like Biden and all these people are insane and they want to, they want to go to the Ukraine. Now that might like, okay. So that concerns me because the left doesn't care. What the left cares about is 
taking your kids away because you're not vaccinated. Apparently, that's what the, like the Democrats want, not the left. But but the rest of the left is silent. The rest of the left won't criticize the Democrats who believe all this craziness about the vaccines or what we should do to the unvaccinated. Oh, that's what I was going to say before, just briefly. So if it's true that having had COVID creates a natural immunity that is orders 27 orders of magnitude greater than getting the shots, why are you forcing people to get it if they have natural immunity? Also, none of this is regulated. There's not some fucking registry. I don't want a registry, but there's not some vaccine registry. I can print a cardboard thing. I'm, I pitch this to my friends. I go, we need to start making fake vaccine cards. This is big business right here. Because like my friend was like, his brother was like, oh, I'll fly you out here for Thanksgiving if you get vaccinated. I go, just lie to him. You already had COVID. Who gives a shit? Like, you're not putting anybody in danger. And even if you hadn't, you're not putting anybody in danger. Um. And so that's where we live now is this like, show me your fucking papers. Like that's, I, I know that sounds like, it's too simple, but it's like, that's if, if if you go to New York and you want to eat in a fucking restaurant, you got to at least show them fake papers. Like that's setting a bad precedent in a free society. Mm-hmm. And like the, the, our ability, I mean, you know, I, I don't mind Thomas Jefferson. Obviously I'm not down with the slave holding and all that in the, the, the wars of conquest, but you know, he wrote a more radical version of the Declaration of Independence that got watered down. So, I mean, good. Um, but it's weird to sound like some Jeffersonian, like, you know, quote unquote, classical liberal who's like, we need free speech. I don't know why I should have to explain that to people. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't think free speech is important, like, I understand, like, the right uses it cynically and it's annoying and we make fun of it. But like. If we don't take free speech seriously, you end up with like China where the 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 science is fake. <laughs> like p- part of the reason you need uh, you know people are always like we need free speech in a democratic society. Sure. We don't really live in a democratic society though. That's kind of the point. But one of the reasons we need to f- defend it on the left. By the way, this used to be the position of even the ACLU was yeah, let the Nazis march. Because if we don't, they're going to come for like the state will come for us next. Don't give them an opening to censor you, which is fine. I mean, Nazis marching through Skokie, Illinois is not the Klan doing that is not going to help the Klan. Um, So uh, but if you shut down free speech, you don't have real science because then the state controls what people can say. Like that's that's one huge problem. There are many problems, but that is a huge one. If there wasn't free speech, I couldn't have punked out an entire fraternity of people at the ice rink who are talking shit to me. And that happened. And now I get to attack them directly through the university and maybe the newspaper. That's a good thing. That's a good democratic principle. That's the society that I want to live in. Um, that happened, by the way, the society. Yes, indeed. The society I'm going to live in. So that's the start of the show off camera. Dear listener is there off air. Um, Mr. Amos was, uh, broadcasting shirtless and that's the society I want to live in all the time. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I can't argue with, (laughs) with facts and principles. Um, anyway, uh, like, and, and so clearly the society we want is not the society that is 
desired by the Democratic voters. It's definitely not desired by the state or the capitalists. So, like, we will slip into this insanity um, without some sort of like organized resistance. And it's not happening, or it's not, at least, at the very least, it's certainly not coming from the left. Like, again, why is Alex Jones the anti war voice? That doesn't make sense. Do you understand? Like, that doesn't track with history, generally speaking. I'm glad that he is, to be honest. Um, like, you know, the, uh, on Red Scare, they talk about uh, this is a while ago, but they were like talking about like the only people with any like sort of. I don't know how they they unfortunately framed it in these moralistic terms, but I think it's productive. Like basically like the only like honest people in America are like Glenn Greenwald, Joe Rogan and Bernie Sanders or something um, at the time, you know, and at this point it's like Bernie, you know, I don't know. Yikes. But I see their point, like sort of like what Zizek talks about, how like the good thing about Bernie's he's like a decent person. Like, and I think, I, I, you know, like on Red Scare, they're like the last leftist in America, Tucker Carlson. And there's truly something to that. Who else is defending Assange? I've said this before, but like who else is defending Assange in the mainstream media? Like people are coming after him because he thinks the M&Ms shouldn't be gender neutral. It's like, is that the hill you want to die on? Like, right. th- he's just trying to fuck with you and it's working. So you're stupid. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Um, But like, is the left defending Assange? Not really. I mean, a few people, but not really. Uh, and it, uh, what, so again, where is the anti-war sentiment from the left? I mean, that's how far we've fallen. At least during the Iraq war, he had a million people on the fucking streets. Like that's, that's something that's meaningful. Um, like Ch- Chomsky said, like it didn't stop the war, but it definitely kneecapped what the u.s wanted to do the u.s wanted to go way fucking harder than they did and they had to pull they had to draw like they had to draw down what they wanted to do because there was so much public opposition globally um the i mean here's where the left's at somebody posts a memory from eight years ago about the ukraine like about kiev being on fire they're like she's like crazy that we're still talking about the ukraine eight years later right because the ukraine stops being strategically important because eight years have passed like it's the it's a bridge between russia and nato like shut the fuck up like are you stupid i i just want to i mean jesus christ but it's like uh you know the thing i always talk about that nobody wants to remember joe biden one of the wildest things i've ever seen joe biden on the floor of the Ukrainian parliament, making a blood and soil speech, defending the neo-Nazis. Like <laughs> they, we, we wanted in the Ukraine since the second world war ended. And we NATO broke the treaty with Russia. We weren't supposed to go in there at all. And we did, we weren't supposed, I mean, keeping in mind here, all the aggression in cases, anyone needs to be reminded of this, all the aggression is on the U S end. Like, the Ukraine, the Russians have probably a legitimate territorial claim to parts of the Ukraine. Like th- that's not like a crazy thing to say. Like people are like, oh, they annexed Crimea. Well, the Crimeans voted for it 95%. So maybe they wanted it. Um, and so like the, 
like, yeah, Putin shouldn't just annex it. He shouldn't just invade and annex it. I agree with that. But like, it's it's not as crazy what we're doing. We're putting fucking. You know, we've been trying to provoke Russia for decades, like putting violating treaties, putting weapons on the Russian border or whatever, on the Polish border or wherever they border, um, like or within range of Russia, like we're being the aggressors here. So just just so that's 100 percent clear. Putin's no fucking angel, of course. But as, as our Lord and Savior Donald Trump says, we're no angels either. <laughs> One of the greatest moments in television history of the 21st century. Don, they, them calling Donald Trump, uh, them saying, well, isn't Putin's a monster. Trump's like, hey, we're no angels either. I mean, that is just fantastic. Yeah. I never thought uh, I'd live to hear that from an American <laughs> president. But. Oh, and there's another, there's a quote from um, a book. Let me, I got to pull this up. This is, I, I told my friend at the gym, the the night the day after trump had that mcdonald's banquet um mm-hmm. that will live in infamy uh i i just looked at it, my friend i go we're never gonna have it this good again like it, <laughs> okay so this is from <coughs> these are some uh excerpts or sh- very short quotes from um uh, these these Daily Beast reporters wrote this book called Sinking the Swamp, How Trump's Minions and Misfits Poison Washington, which I'm sure is a nightmare to read, but because they're idiots. Uh, but this is spectacular. OK, when Rince Priebus was the White House chief of staff, President Donald Trump often subjected him to questioning about badgers, the state animal of Priebus's home state of Wisconsin. A new book says, according to the book. Uh, Trump asked previous if badgers were, quote, mean to people and how they, quote, work and what they eat. Trump would raise these questions while previous was trying to brief him on domestic and foreign policy, the book said. At one point, Trump reportedly also asked previous whether the badgers have a, quote, personality or if they're boring. And he wondered if previous could show him some pictures of badgers. Now, <laughs> here's why this is a, a communist endeavor not trusting your corrupt staff after you were forced to fire the only Patriot in your white house, Steve Bannon is exactly what you, sh- you, you, he should 100% should have kept asking about badgers and not listen to these fucking ghouls. I mean, brilliant. That is fantastic. That mm-hmm. is a much like, like Chapo's very annoying, you know, they're boomers. But one thing that will said that I will always stand by is he's like, they were talking about how, there, uh, these like sort of uh, hacks were attacking Trump for not listening to the CIA briefings. And Will's like, Trump was doing exactly what you should do from the with CIA briefings. You should throw them in the fucking trash can and not mm-hmm. read them. Mm-hmm. Like, this is why Trump is <clears throat> a communist is because, I mean, it's not, I don't know if it's intentional. It's probably not intentional, but like, he just didn't give a shit about any of this white, uh, Washington bullshit, which is, how you if you want to be a like if you want to be effective as an, a leftist let's say we by some conniving somebody like hijacks the democratic party and tells everybody what they want to hear and gets elected and then you get in power and you start shooting so to speak that's exactly what you should do you should not listen to any of these people they're they just want to murder everyone um like trump is like 
or urbane a little bit. I mean, Trump mm-hmm. has that sort of like Lafario sort of like, ah, fuck it. Um, he's not principled, of course, but um, mm-hmm. you see what happens when we get rid of him. Mm-hmm. The whole fucking ship, the ship is on fire. <laughs> like we're um, <coughs> things aren't going well and no one has a plan to get any better. And because Trump's out of office, the left has gone to sleep as predicted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, everyone's in a fever dream. And they think we should lock up the unvaccinated and take their kids away. I mean, so it, turn it, them into nuns. It, <laughs> right? Yeah. Follow the rules. Shut the fuck up. And follow the rules. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Take a vow. You're right. That is, it's like a nunnery. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and it's like nuns are cool because they get to like be lesbians and stuff, which is why, why they're there um, back at then, which is cool. You know, do whatever you want. But, what were we enforced? In? Hey, at least the nuns didn't have to work all the time. I mean, it's so I agree with you, but it's like worse. It's like there somebody put a Venn diagram and they go somehow we landed here and it, it the, the one circle is apocalypse and the other circle is having to go to work. And they're like the we're in the middle, you know, we're right. in the, <laughs> the middle. Sliver. They're like, I don't know how this happened. Yeah, exactly. Like uh. anyway, uh, I'm terrified. Um, you know, this is all very funny and surreal, but I am scared because I don't know truly like, so this is not like Syria, like Syria. Syria is basically backwater in a, you know, effectively like it's just a dumping ground for us bombs and Russian bombs and Chinese bombs or whatever. Um, so it was sort of a proxy war. Like the thing that I, the craziest thing about what happened in Syria, again, no one talked about this at the time, and I can't believe they didn't. In 2013, Obama threatened Putin, and Putin basically was like, go fuck yourself, and, and then Obama backed down. And I'd never seen that happen in my life, and I don't think anybody in power had seen that happen in their lives. Um, I mean, there may have been like moments where the U S has backed off of certain things militarily because it's not like tactically relevant, but not at that not at that level. Um, and so the, the reason that scares me isn't because I think the U S should be have hegemonic military power. The reason it scares me is because if the U S perceives that they don't, then things get crazier potentially. So if Russia invades Ukraine or what, whatever it's, whatever the U S is calling that mm-hmm. if Russia goes into Ukraine and the U S responds militarily, China could get roped into this. In that, and now China's not China's not a real military superpower, um, I guess. Thankfully, uh, but this will just this this could this could become a world war very quickly. Um, you know, not like World War Two, definitely. Like we're not going to fight that type of war um, in terms of like literally all these troops running through Eastern ground, Europe. That's yeah. not going to happen. But um, we could we could turn Ukraine into Syria. It could very easily mm-hmm. turn into just a bombed out nightmare with snipers everywhere, killing journalists. That's within range. And then you have like already like increasing social instability in Western Europe. Like these things can it, it, things are just extremely messy and scary already. Mm-hmm. And this could just very quickly escalate in ways that we can't predict and I'm not going to try to predict. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I mean, I don't even know what to say really. It's just like, we're, we're not headed in a good direction in any front. And I feel like there's this kind of fake apathy people are adopting where they're putting their, you know, again, like the thing I quoted a million times, as societies begin to fall, people will be, will not become more awake or aware. They'll become more blinded to their situation, like intentionally. I think people have their fucking heads in the sand and I understand why, but it's like, I, I, we have, we already have supply chain bullshit. That's just the result of like corruption in not paying people enough. Um, you ample, you, you roll that up. We have, I don't think we don't run at the point where we have food shortages, but we definitely have empty shelves and in, in grocery stores across this country, uh, at least for certain things. No one is even talking about this at the level of the state in, in a serious way. Um, we have a CIA agent who looks like a rat faced fuck who is a rat faced fuck running transportation department. And it's not working. Um, uh, Joe Biden is senile. Um, this is like, if I, I mean, I'm trying to like think of an analogy. It's like the end of the Soviet union. If at the same time, there was a pandemic and climate change and wildfires all over the place, like, right. And a world <laughs> war popping off, you know, that we're probably going to be involved in. Yeah, no, it's, my voice is shot and I'm sick and all that, but so I should be done here, but I was just going to say that it's, you're right. I mean, a, a, an empire in decline that is failing is going to flail and like lash out in these irrational ways. Right. And we're going to see that that's my fear. And that's so, I mean, we're seeing that in, in ways like electing you know, Joe Biden or even Donald Trump. I mean, that's even, those are symptoms of, mm-hmm. of the senescence we're in the middle of right now. And then to your point, you just put on top of that global pandemic, uh, climate change. I mean, all that stuff, it's, it's pretty rough. It's not looking good. So. You know, can I just say like, at least like if you watch a movie like downfall, which is great, like the last days of the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Now we're not in that situation. Exactly. Um, it might be worse than that. Uh, in terms of like domestic internal political shit. Um, well, it's not okay. We're not there yet. We haven't opened the death camps yet, but maybe it'll happen. That's what the Democrats want, apparently, or enough of them to make a splash. Uh, so I'm not saying we're in a situation worse than the Holocaust, just to be clear. That's not what I mean. I'm just that, that, that moment at the end of the war where like they start bombing Berlin and uh, the, the scene I'm thinking of is when they're in the nightclub or whatever, and they're all partying and the women all have their tits out and it's all crazy. And then the bombs start hitting. And it's like, what I'm saying is if we're going to have the collapse of an empire, where's the decadence? Can we have some more debt? People aren't even fucking anymore. Like mm-hmm. the statistics uh, as far as I understand is young people aren't even having sex. Mm-hmm. Like what? Okay. So I like, I can go on TikTok and watch white women dancing all day. That's fun, I suppose. But it's like, this is so boring and mm-hmm. sterile. Like where is the, why aren't we all, where's the cheap drugs? First of all, the drugs are too expensive. Where's the cheap drug? I guess we can get weed, but that's like, God, that's boring too. I mean, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's just, why aren't we getting drunk and fucking each other and doing coke all day if the society's collapsing? Like, it's just so fucking tepid and boring. It's people moralizing at each other. It's frat boys telling me that I'm not allowed to swear at a hockey rink. I mean, 
Why would you want hyper moralism at the end of an empire? Like who is benefiting from this? I don't even I understand this. Uh, it's a way to obfuscate. So we don't talk about class war and stuff, but like, it's, I'm just saying, this is so boring. Like no one's having any fucking fun. Mm-hmm. Like, so we need a little bit more of Cardinal Rousseau's like, you know, Hey, let, where's the orgy. We need a little bit of that. <clears throat> We need that crucifixion cross in the box. (laughs) If you're going to sect, if if the society collapses, can we at least can some crazed nuns get naked and sexually assault a crucifix? I mean, (laughs) it's something to do. It's better than watching more Netflix shit as the ship sinks. I just don't. It's oh my god! Best I part mean, of the, you, oh, go ahead, no, no I'm sorry. I was just gonna say best part of that film for me in this again <laughs> um, that we hadn't gotten to is the way in which after um, Urbane Grandier's body is burned and charred, that one French official gives uh, Sister Agnes the nun a piece of the femur, like the broken charred femur bone at the very end, which looks, I mean, and it looks, this is intentional. I assume looks just like, uh, excuse me, cock and balls. Like, and that's, oh. and then I think we're supposed to assume she's masturbating with it at the end there. Cause, and that's, that's what she gets. Like she gets what she wanted that sexual gratification from that, from Grandier. <laughs> as soon as he's dead, he has to be dead for her to get that physical object that looks like a phallus. And it's, it's great. Which, you know, is this what John Paul II meant by theology of the body? Maybe. Maybe in the end, he made a compromise, and this is where we landed. Um, but as I hope is clear to everyone, uh, you know, our desire to undermine Catholicism has utterly failed, and so we still have to reckon with it because the only way out of Catholicism is true communism. But... Like I was listening to, um, I know I have to go soon, but we, and we can just maybe leave this as like an opening for next time. But I was listening to, I'll send you the podcast, this, uh, homebrew Christianity thing where they're talking about black theology and, um, liberation theology and like the relationship to like, cause James Cone is sort of the, the dude who like invented black theology. Um, but like, Liberation theology, which is a Catholic, uh, sort of third world Catholic emergent movement in the second half of the 20th century, which we've discussed at some length here. Um, like again, they they were perceived by the CIA as more dangerous than the communists. Like they were in South America, they were more perceived as a much greater threat to U.S. dominance than uh, the Marxist-Leninist groups. Which is, I mean, that tells you how sort of like even by then outdated uh marxist leninism was as a way forward um but like catholicism is the site of the left in the only you know i I probably said before but like all these you know new york podcast weirdo people that i like like they're kind of cat weird catholic adjacent like they like the aesthetic they like and it's like that's not a fucking accident. It's because that's the only place where people can find any fucking dignity in any sense, even if it's unconscious of like a desire to help the poor or uh, uh, injunction to help the poor. Like, so we can't, we should just embrace that. That's, we have to work through that. 
We have to work through that politically because there's no other site for it to emerge. If there, and if one does, I'm all in, but it ain't happening because it ain't happened yet. Um, you know, the scary thing is like you have something like the Bernie movement or, to, you know, whatever the Bernie moments that happened and it, no one figured out how to institutionalize it. Um, the only institutionalized thing is like fucking socialist alternative, which is kind of a nightmare, but like, I mean, more just Kashama Sawan, she's able to stay in power. Um, like her stuff on Brianna Joy Gray's podcast with Chris Hedges is really good. I recommend that because Brianna sounds like an idiot kind of, um, but like this notion that like you have to fight this prolonged class war if you're going to get anywhere. Well, I'm sorry, but like we can't do that just with old fucking leftist slogans. We need something with the strength of Catholicism. Like, and, and I, I hate to say that in some regard because obviously Catholicism is a fraught fucking institution that should be burned to the ground in its current form. But like that, you know, like Zizek suggested with communism, throw out the baby, keep the bathwater, you know, throw out sure. the actually existing Catholicism and keep the Catholic ethic. Uh, like my friend said, who's uh, not necessarily as politically, you know, involved as I am when we talk about this stuff, he's like, the reason I even call myself a Catholic anymore. And he's not like a conservative guy or anything is because it means universal mm -hmm. that's like the word you know so we need to sustain that universality i mean and this is not just me saying this i mean assange said this years ago that we need something like christianity to like mobilize people like we have to give people something to fight for and the left ain't fucking doing it so <laughs> this is their next best option and to be honest i don't think it's even separate from uh the left like this whole thing about the church being super right wing, that is a new neoliberal phenomenon. All the major, well, maybe not all, but a huge percentage of major religious figures in Christianity in the 20th century before the neoliberal turn were fucking socialists. Mm -hmm. And that's totally buried. Um, and that was going on in the Catholic church through the 90s, you know, where you'd have these. Um, you know, Midwest priests going to fucking hang out with the Guatemalans and the Nicaraguans, the Sandinistas, right. watching people getting murdered by the state, um, uh, by funded by the U backed by the US and the CIA. Um, and then coming back to Fargo, North Dakota and talking about it. Like this is not that even that far away from us. Um, so again, if you don't like that idea, give me a better one. I'm all ears, but I don't think it's there. <laughs>